Well, today we are finishing up this series called Keep Moving. Uh, in your chair back is some message notes. Would you grab those for me? And I want you, there's a yellow sticky note. We've been doing this every week. I'd just like for you to participate with me uh, and write those words, keep moving. You see it here on the screen. If you're new to Core Church and you, you just walked into the end of a very, very personal and intimate series for me, uh, this series is birthed out of my own pain and my own tragedy that our family walked through several years ago. Uh, many of you know that story. Uh, I would share it, but it's, it's just really dark. We were blindsided and it, um, it was just so devastating to our entire family that I, I didn't know how we were going to recover. God led me uh, on the bathroom floor one, one morning when I was sitting there and I just had no strength left in me and Laura had written this little sticky note. That's the note on the screen. These two words, keep moving. Come on, tell somebody right now, keep moving. In Jesus' name, keep moving. If you missed any of the series, uh, go back, listen to the podcast. I think it will really encourage you. Also, if you come across somebody that's going through a struggle, share it with them. This, this series has gone out beyond the walls of our church, and I've heard from people all over the place, uh, and it's really helping them, and that's encouraging to Laura and I. Um, but remember, this is not a series about a tragedy. This is a series about the triumph of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how he can walk us all out of our pain and out of our struggle and back into the light, and we can find hope and healing for our soul. So let's get into the last week. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth is in the Old Testament. If you have a paper Bible, um, good luck finding it, because <laughs> it's small. I never can find it. It's only four chapters. If you have a um, mobile device and you don't have a Bible, download version, great version of the Bible. I read out of the New Living Translation. Would you stand? I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, but let's stand for the reading of the Word. And let me give you some background. This is, uh, these four chapters are about a lady named Ruth, but we're not going to look at Ruth so much as we're going to look at her mother-in-law, her name was Naomi. And Naomi, uh, she was living in Judah. There was a famine. So her and her husband and her boys, they packed up and they moved to this place called Boab, or to Moab. So they moved to Moab, and when they get to Moab, uh, they're there, and her husband tragically dies. And then a tragedy on top of a tragedy. I know that oh so well. Then her sons die. She's left at a widow, and she's got two... Uh, his, his, her son's wives are, are widows. And, and then she hears that back in Judah, the famine has ended. And she just thinks to herself, well, um, <laughs> I guess I'll just go home. And so we pick up in verse 19 of chapter 1. And, and what is happening at this point is Naomi is, is with her two daughter-in-laws but one of them has decided to stay behind and only Ruth is with her now. It says, the two of them continued on their journey and when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The, the women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara for all, the Almighty has, has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Maybe that's your story today. We're singing all these songs, talking about hope and smiling, people raising their hands, but you feel nothing but emptiness inside. You can relate better than anybody in this place to Naomi. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer 
And the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. Today, I want to talk to you about a question I think we all ask when we go through tragedies and struggles and hardships, and that is, where was God? Where, where was God? What I want to do today is I want to tell you how God answered that question for me, how he can answer that question for you today, and I believe that it will bring new life over you. So let's pray. Father, in this moment, we are asking for your Holy Spirit to come, visit with us, encourage us and inspire us. So thankful for the gift of your word and this worship and this church and men and women gathered here today. Would you breathe hope and healing and peace and purpose over all of us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you can sit back down. Well, I think everybody's got a, uh, a box like this at, at home, probably in a, in a closet somewhere or in an attic, and it's, uh, it's full of, of these. Anybody recognize these? Good old, old school VCR tapes. Like you have these and you're like, I, what do I do with, with, with these? You know, what are these all about? And this is actually my box from home. And anybody remember, anybody remember Blockbuster? Anybody remember that? Remember when you have to, used to drive to the store just to get a movie? It wasn't on demand and you would have to race to there because you only knew they only had three copies. They only have three copies of Independence Day. We got to get there now. You get there and they'd all be gone. How frustrating that was. So where would you go then? Over to the return box. Do you remember that? You'd wait for a tape to drop through the return box, and you're like, what is it? What is it? Um, it's, uh, it's Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's usually so desperate for a movie. I remember they had a sticker. Do you remember the sticker on it? Be kind. All right. Some of you, some of you remember that. And so this is, a, I just have this, this box uh, of tapes, and I don't know what to do with them. I mean, it's like, uh, like this one right here. Like, anybody want to know who shot JR? Anybody want to know? <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> want to see the OJ chase? Right here. Uh, oh, here, oh, here's one right here. Beauty and the Beast. This is actually from Blockbuster. They're not getting that back. Um, let's see. What else we got? Oh, this is, uh, oh, this is my son's uh, fifth birthday party, Herc's fifth birthday party on VCR tape. Um, oh, this is cool. This is uh, my son's uh, 1994 YMCA five-year-old basketball game right here, hooping it up on this tape. Do you, any, did anybody have a, the dad with the camcorder? Or maybe you were the dad with the camcorder, the size of a billboard, like nobody can, well, you can see around it. Like they, there's so many great ones. I got Billy Blank's tie bow. If you want to do tie bow after the service, I've got that. Um, some of my, oh, this is some of my old radio stuff in here. Um, back when I was in radio from Z104.5. And, uh, and there's just all kinds of stuff on here. First steps. And I'll, you know what's so crazy about having these tapes is we don't know what to do with them, right? Because nobody has a VCR player anymore. Or if you do, it's broken. And you're like, I can't even play them. Like for us, the only thing we have left is this. We have the remote. I don't have the VCR player, I just have the remote. And so, so what do we do? We just kind of box them up, and, and then we put them in a closet somewhere and stick them back to the back. Because we just don't know what to do with it. You know, all of us have um, events and, and moments in our, in our lives that are um, captured and recorded in our mind. 
Uh, many, many of them good and, and some, of them, some of them not so, so good. Memories of like first steps and birthday parties and graduations and weddings. And, but we all have, also we have these memories of these, these difficult seasons that we went through, um, hardships that we went through and they're, they're, they play here in our, in our mind and memories of uh, divorce, abuse. You have these, these memories that are forever captured in your mind of uh, a betrayal. You struggle just to even trust anyone anymore, or maybe it's an addiction. It's an addiction that you had, and it's just captured up here, and we don't, we don't know what to do with it. Or maybe it's like, like Naomi and, 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 and Ruth, where you, you suffered loss in your life. Somebody you love, and they were conflicted with a disease, or something happened tragically, and you don't know what happened and why it happened. I, th- I think pain and and loss and shattered dreams is a lot like a VCR tape. What do I do with this? What was, what was this all about? And we have all these shattered dreams and these hopes that we had, and, and, and we, don't, we don't know what to do with them. I mean, because you can't, there is no be kind, rewind on it. Like you can't undo it. You want to undo it, but you can't. You can't erase it. It's just, it's just there. And that's, that's, I think, when we ask, ask that question, like, where was, where was God? Like, where was he? What was, what was that all about? And it just seemed to serve no real purpose. And so we just kind of box them up. And we kind of just stick them in, in like just kind of the back of our mind. Just kind of leave them there because I, I, don't, I don't have to do that. So what do you do with what can't be undone? What do you do when you can't keep moving? This is where Naomi finds herself and She's moved to, to Moab and started anew, and she's got her husband and her sons with her, and then her husband dies, and then a tragedy on top of a tragedy, her, her two sons die there, and she's asking that question, like, where's, where's God in all of this? Then she hears that the famine has ended back home in Judah, and so she just thinks to herself, well, um, I don't know, I guess I'll just go back home. It's nothing for me here. So she starts back home, and, and in chapter 1, verse 7, let's look back at that. It says this. At this point, she's got two of her daughter-in-laws with her, and it says, with her two daughter-in-laws, she set out from the place where she had been living, and say this with me, they took the road that would lead them back. They took the road that would lead them back. Can I tell you today, there is a road that will lead you back. There's a road that will lead you back. Come on, say it with me. There's a road that will lead you back. Tell somebody in front of you and behind you, there's a road and it will lead you back. There's a road and it will lead you back. So she's on this road and this road is to this place called Judah where she was from. Interesting thing about the name Judah is the name Judah actually means to celebrate, to, to praise. Like, like Naomi has no idea 
She's on the road to her redemption. And, and she has no idea, by the way, and if you don't know the story of Ruth, you don't know this either, is she doesn't know. She's also on the road to the greatest story of redemption the world has ever known. She has no idea, and she's on this road. She's on a road that would restore her joy, that would redeem for her all that was taken from her. Let me tell you, there is a road that will lead you back. There's a road that'll lead you back to a place of celebration. There's a road that'll lead you back to a place of praise. Your heart can celebrate again. Man, your soul can praise your God again. There is a road, and it will lead you back. And Naomi, she has no idea the road that she's on. She also, she has no idea what God's doing. She's just clueless. She's just going down the road. She's just heading back, just hoping maybe it might be a little better back down in Judah. In fact, she thought, she thought God had abandoned her and that she was completely alone. Have you ever questioned the road you're on? Why am I on this road, God? What's, what's going on? Have you, ever, have you ever felt just lost? I don't even know where I am. I don't even know what's going on. Remember a few years ago, my, my kids were um, in high school at the time, Jeremiah and Skye, and it was the uh, first day of school, and they headed out the door, and I got a call about oh, 10, 15 minutes, uh, maybe it was longer than that, after they had left the house, and all I hear on the other end of the line is, I'm not telling him, you tell him. I'm not telling him, you tell him. Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm like, and I'm yelling into the phone, tell me what? Because I'm thinking, they get in an accident, something bad happened, what happened? So my, my son gets on the phone, and I'm like, what happened? He goes, um, uh, we're lost. Now, I'm thinking to myself, wait, you're lost? We live on this side of town. They go to Broken Arrow High School. I said, this is a, you go up Elm, you hang a right on 61st Street, and you'll run right into it. How, how are you lost? What right? Where? He said, well, we were running late, so we decided to take the turnpike. Yeah, and uh, there was no exit. They couldn't find the exit. They didn't know where they were going. They were on their way to St. Louis. I mean, they were. So my son, he's like, he's like uh, so where are we, Dad? I don't know where you are. And this is, by the way, before they had the internet on their phone. Anybody remember that? Like way back, like five years ago, way back in the olden times, you know? And so they didn't have GPS or anything on their phone. And I said, well, um, describe to me where you are. And he told me, he's like, it's just fields everywhere. And he starts describing to you. They were all the way out almost to Catoosa near Bluegill Landing. I don't know if you know where that is. It's way out in the sticks. And so, um, I, I, so I said, okay, well, tell me what you did. Well, we got off on the, on the highway here, and I go, did you turn left? Did you turn right? He goes, well, we turned left. And I go, okay, tell me where the sun is. And is it, he goes, is, is it in front of you, behind you, on your side? He goes, ah, it's in front of me, Dad. I go, okay, it's in front of you. So I know they're headed east, okay? So I'm like, all right, so when you get to the next stop sign, turn right. And you got the stop sign, he turns right. And I said, now where is the sun? He goes, it's on my left. I'm like, good, they're headed in the right direction. I said, okay, just keep going down that road. Just keep going down that road. So he comes to one stop sign, comes to another stop sign. I mean, they're really lost. Another stop sign, another stop sign. He's like, Dad, 
this road is going nowhere. I'm like, trust me, it is going somewhere. And finally he comes out and he's at Kenosha, 71st Street. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, oh, we're, we're finally, we're here, we're okay. This is what happens to all of us. We can get lost in our pain, get lost in our tragedy, get lost in our struggle. And what's crazy is we think so many times it's on me to get me out of this. Can I tell you that you have a heavenly father who loves you? He cares about you. He wants good for you. And he will lead you to your road of redemption. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. He is there. He loves you. He cares about you. Listen, I would like for you to write this down. Keep moving. Keep moving down the road to redemption. Keep moving down the road to redemption. So here's Naomi. She, she, uh, she gets home to Judah. Her friends are super excited to see her, so they schedule a little ladies' tea and potluck, you know, with scones and stuff like that and cool things, you know, things guys love, you know. And so they, they, they're, they're excited. They're like, Naomi, go, welcome home. Oh, my goodness, I got baby here. Something like that, okay. And so they're excited, okay. And then in verse 20, we see this. Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara. The Almighty has made life very bitter for me. You can just hear these ladies in this moment. They're like, well, that's the last time we invite her over for dinner. <laughs> wow. No, nobody likes bitter people. Can I get an amen? I'm sorry. It's just not fun to be around anybody that's bitter. You, you need to get better, not get bitter. Get better, not get bitter. Come on, help somebody around you, whoever looks the most bitter that ain't smiling today, and tell them right now, get better, don't get bitter, okay? Say it until they smile, all right? Don't get, don't get bitter. Get better. Bitterness takes no effort. It's kind of like leaving food out on the counter. It just spoils on its own. You don't have to do anything to it. It just sits there, and it just goes bad. That's how bitterness is. Bitterness, you don't have to work at it. It just goes bad. And here's what the enemy loves to do. The enemy loves to convince you that things are never going to change. It's never going to get better. He, he likes to convince you that, that you're never going to smile again. Whatever's happened, I've been there. I didn't think I was going to smile again. The enemy tries to convince you, you're never going to smile again. You're never going to love again because you're broken. Nobody's going to love you, and you have no ability to love. The enemy likes to tell you you're never going to get out of that financial hardship. You're going to always be known by that. You're never going to laugh. You're never going to experience joy again. None of those things are ever going to happen for you again. And, and this is why the Apostle Paul says this. He says this, put on the full armor of God. You got to put on the full armor of God. Listen, when you suffered pain and, lo and loss, you got to get battle ready, okay? Why? Because you got to fight to get better. 
Don't take any work at all to get bitter, but if you want to get better, you're going to have a fight on your hand because the enemy doesn't want you to get better. So you got to put on the full armor of God, head to toe, shin guards, everything. you got to get ready for the battle. Why? Because he says this, your enemy stands, you, excuse me, he says this, so you can stand against the strategies of the devil. So you got to put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the strategies of the devil. I know that oath too well. It would have been so easy for me. When I went through what I went through and my family just collapsed and imploded on itself, it would have been so easy in that moment for me to get bitter. Man, God, I've given everything for you. I've done all. I, I, I've given my life away in ministry. I've, I've done this. I mean, I'm, I've sacrificed and, and, and I'm doing my best and I'm doing it. And th- what's, what is this? I could have just wallowed in it and gotten bitter. And I knew if I'm going to get better, I got to fight to get better. I have to fight for hope. I have to fight for my healing. I remember sitting on that bathroom floor and seeing that sticky note and those two words, keep moving. Come on, anybody know that in order to keep moving, that's a fight sometimes? It's a battle sometimes. You don't feel like it. You don't want to get up. You don't want to take the next step, but you got to battle in the power of the Holy Spirit and the armor of God that the enemy can't take you down. But you got to keep moving. So Naomi, what's interesting is her name actually means pleasant. It's a beautiful name. But, but she says, don't call me that. And she chose an identity, Mara. She chose to identify with her pain. She said, call me, call me bitter. This is what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to be identified by your tragedy. You're divorced. It's all you are. And it's all you'll ever be. You're abused. It's all you are. And that's all you'll ever be. You'll never rise above that. You're an addict. I don't care what you do, where you go, what you think you've done. That's who you really are. And you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to battle against that. You're going to have to work hard for your healing. And listen, the, in Isaiah 62, I love this, the prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, he says this about the people of God. He says, they will be called the holy people, and say this with me, what? The people redeemed by the Lord. Come on, somebody say, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Oh, that sounds good. One more time. I am redeemed. Man, we are the redeemed of the Lord. You are loved by God. You are loved by him. You're his child. There's nothing in your life that he cannot redeem. Listen, I, I want to say this is so important. We've given way, way too much power to our pain. Way too much power to our tragedies and our brokenness and our shattered dreams. Well, well, I am the way I am because of that. We'll even say that about people. Well, they're like that because that happened to them. And because of that, well, then this is how they're, they're, they're going to be. And this is why they're going to act. Do you know what we're doing when we do that? We're giving power away to something that does not deserve our power. 
okay? We have to believe that we're the redeemed of the Lord, that he is more powerful than any tragedy, any heartbreak, anything that can come my way. I refuse to be identified by my tragedy. That's not who I am. It's an event that happened in my life, but praise be to God, I am redeemed not just from my sin, but I am redeemed from all. That means that has been put to death, it has been crushed, it no longer exists, and I am new. I am new. Don't give power away to something that does not deserve the power to be given to. Give the power and the praise to the God who can redeem you. So keep moving. Keep moving down that road to redemption. So go to chapter two. We got four chapters to go, people. Buckle in. Here we go. All right? Chapter two. I love this. Naomi kind of sends Ruth out for groceries. She's doing the next thing. They're, they're, she goes out to this field to, to harvest some grain. I love this. She has, she has no idea. She has no idea. Ruth and Naomi, no idea what's about to happen. Well, what I love is, is God does his best work in the ordinary. In the ordinary things. Look, look at chapter 2 and verse 3. It says, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. In other words, she's a widow, and this is not her field, so she's actually picking up the grain that has been dropped. Okay, this is like, um, this is like going to the store and buying generic. Are my generic people here? My equate people? Any equate people in the house? Whoop, whoop. Yeah, okay. Four of us. Great. All right. Good crowd. Good crowd. Okay. But it says, as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. Like, Naomi has no idea the part that Boaz is about to play in her redemption story. What, what I, I love in, in this story is even, even in her pain, even in her confusion, even in her bitterness, God is still working for her good. Listen, what does that mean for us? Even when you give up on God, he never gives up on you. You can get as bitter as you want. Your friends will turn on you. I'll probably turn on you. I mean, but, they, but nobody wants to be around, but God will never abandon you. God says, no, you get as bitter as you want. I'm still coming after you. You can get as angry as you want. I'm still coming after you. I mean, you know, some of us are runners. You know what I'm talking about? You like you ran from God. You know what I'm talking about? You people, you ran from God. He chased you down, did he not? Man, he just chased you down. Why? I mean, it's like having that kid. Anybody got a kid that's a runner? We had a kid we had to put on a leash one time. I mean, he was that bad. He was that bad of a runner, you know? And when, you, when your kid takes off and bolts in the mall, you don't go, well, see you later. <laughs> I mean, you want to, but you don't. You chase the child down, you bust his bottom, and then you come with me. Why? Because you love that child. We have a God. You can't run. You cannot run far enough away from him. You cannot reject him enough. He will always come for you because he loves you. He's a good God. He wants good for you. No matter where you find yourself today, God is going to make a way out and a road to your redemption. This is what he's doing in this story. This is what he's doing for Naomi and for Ruth. And <laughs> they, have, they have no idea what God is orchestrating here. And I love this in this story too because neither does Boaz. 
Boaz has no idea what's going on. Look, look at chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, Then Boaz asked the foreman, well, Who's that young woman over there? <laughs> Don't get too spiritual on me because that's how he said it. Like he was, he was noticing her. Like, you know, but Boaz in this moment, he ain't thinking divine plan. He's thinking she looks divine. I mean, he's like, he's like yeah, all right, this is amazing. But he has, Boaz has no idea that God is at work. This is, this is how God, so the amazing thing about God, God works in the seemingly insignificant things of life. Like you're just getting up and going to work. You have no idea that behind the scenes, God is going to work for you on your behalf. You think you're just going to school. You think you're just doing it. And God is at work for your good. You think you're just going to the ball field. You just think you're going to the grocery store. And you're like, you, have, you have no idea. I remember when I was in, in high school and my senior year, and I had to, they said I had to take accounting. I was like, ah, oh, because I don't like math. I was like, ah. Oh. I can't do that. Praise God for the accountants in the house. Any accountants in the house? Let me hear you. That's yeah, one. Okay, so accountants aren't loud people. They're just not. They're just like, no, I'm just going to write it down. I'm going to write down. Woo! That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I have to take this accounting class. And so I, I go into the classroom and I, I sit down and, and, um, and there, there in, in front of me, wow, there she is. Sitting right in front of me, I'm like, dang, girl. You know, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, like, I ain't, I'm not thinking divine plan here, okay? I'm thinking, she looks divine, okay? <laughs> like, wow. Listen, here's the I thought I was just signing up for an accounting class. I had no idea that I was signing up for four kids and a mortgage. <laughs> I had no idea. No idea what God was doing. You have no idea what God is doing and how he is orchestrating things behind the scenes for your good. And so Boaz, he starts stalking her. He does. He's like, he's like I like her, man. She looks good. And so he finds out who she is. And I love this. He finds out who she is. And he's, he finds out that Ruth is a widow and that she didn't have to come and help Naomi, but she's helping Naomi the widow. And he's moved by this. And so he starts helping her. He's like, hey, don't give her the leftover grain. Give her some of the good grain. He starts taking care of her. Such a picture of God, such a picture of who God is in our lives. You don't, you don't know it, but, but he's, he's dropping good into your life, dropping good into your life. You, you have no idea. Like, man, you have no idea what's happening. He's, he's taking care of you, and he's watching over you, and, and this is what's happening here in this story, and what, what Boaz is, is doing is he's taking care of her, and, and then Naomi kind of gets wind of it, and like any good mother-in-law or mom, mom would do, she plays matchmaker, and, and you fast forward a ways, and, and they come together, Boaz and Ruth, and, and they get married. Fast forward a little bit further in the story, and and Ruth has a child. And we read this at the end of chapter 4 and the end of her story. It says, the women of the town said to Naomi, I think that's interesting, they, they said this not to Ruth, who the book's named after, but they said this to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided, what, say this with me, a redeemer, provided a redeemer for your 
family. See, see Naomi and Ruth, they're, they're widows, which means they have no ability to care for themselves. Or in that, in that culture, in that time period, they were basically dependent on somebody to help them. And, and in comes uh, Boaz, and he is their only hope, and their only hope is a kinsman redeemer. That's their only hope. And Boaz comes in and he redeems them. Why? Because God sent Boaz to redeem them. And so here's the thing. Naomi's story, though, it is, it's so much bigger than just Boaz redeeming her. If, if you fast forward a couple of verses in the story, what you see is her, her great-grandson. Naomi's great-grandson was David. David, the guy who killed Goliath, the guy who became the greatest king Israel would have ever known, the guy who, who wrote all the Psalms. Just imagine if Naomi had stopped anywhere along the journey. She would have never had that lineage and that, that, uh, that future. And God was not only redeeming her, but was redeeming her entire future and redeeming a nation because this is not, listen, that was not her greatest grandson. In fact, if you fast forward 1,500 years and you look in the book of Matthew and you look in the, the book of, of Luke and, and what you see in there is the lineage of Jesus. And it has all these names. So-and-so, we got so-and-so, so-and-so, we got so-and-so, it's the part we never read, okay? <laughs> and right there in the middle is Boaz and Ruth. Right there in the middle of the story of Jesus. Naomi has no idea that her greatest grandson was going to be Jesus. That, 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 that the story that, that God was writing for her was not her own redemption, but was the greatest redemption story that the world would ever know. So where was God? He was right there with her the whole time. She suffers this famine with her husband and her kids, and I don't know what I'm going to do. God makes a way, and she moves to Moab. She's in Moab. She suffers this tragedy upon a tragedy, the loss of her husband, the loss of her children. She doesn't know what she's going to do, but God is right there in the midst of her tragedy and her pain, and he's redeeming it all, and he's making a way, and he leads them to the road that would lead them back, and they go back to Judah, and when they're in Judah, she's nothing but a widow. Nothing but a widow. But God does not abandon us. He does not forsake us. He's right there in the midst of her pain, and he sends a redeemer, and Boaz comes into her life, and then the greatest redemption story the world has ever known comes to be because Naomi did not quit. She kept moving. She kept moving. She kept moving. Even when she didn't even know she was moving, God was at work. So I remember a couple years ago when I was sitting on that bathroom floor, as I've told that story the past few weeks, where I, I just had, I was, I was as done as done could be. I remember how dark it was, and I, I just thought, I want to, I'm going to keep going. I, just, oh, I don't know, God. And that's when I saw that, that note, those two words, keep moving. So where was God in my story? He was there the whole time. Never once did he abandon me. Never once did he forsake me. In fact, I believe that God was right there in the middle of my
my tragedy, going through it with me. And walking with it through me, with me, so he could walk with me out of that pain and into my healing and into the hope that he had for my future. So where is God in your life? Where is God when you go through divorce? He's right there with you. Where is God when when you go through abuse? I believe he's right there with you. Where where is God when when you go go through hardship and broken, shattered dreams and, and loss and addiction and all the things that can befall us in this life? Where is God? He is there the whole time. He is our Redeemer. He is the one who walks us out. He says, no, don't get trapped in that, but keep moving on the road to your redemption. Our God will walk you out. That's what this series is all about. This series is not a series of tragedy. This series is about, hey, you can be redeemed. God can take what happened in your life and he can crush it and he can remake it and he can make all things new again for you. He's done that for me. I believe he can do that for you.